It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men for around the world and find out the type of dad you are. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, your host for the show. And guys, we got something really special for you today. I wanted to give you a message I delivered at Maranatha Church in the town of Wyoming in the state of Minnesota. Wyoming, Minnesota, that's right. For you friends of mine in the state of Wyoming, there is a town named after your state or vice versa. Anyway, I spoke at this wonderful church that was planted by Pastor Mike Hasseltine with his dad 40 years ago. Now, the thing I appreciate about Pastor Mike, when you walk in the room, he's 62 years old, he's he's got tattoo, you know, sleeves, you know, up on both arms. He's a uh, used to race motorcycles, used to race cars. The guy is a, a man's man. He built a church for men. It's really, really cool. I had a great time speaking to 500 men at a wild game barbecue. And this message that we're giving you today was given at their church on Sunday morning called Sing a New Song in 2022. And we're in the early stages of February of 2022. And guys, it is not too late for you to get in the game and and seek the Lord for what you will do for him in 2022. The cool thing I like about this church, guys, is this. When he planted it, he has a full-size boxing ring and a, a, a training gym for boxers in his church, in the church. They've got a karate dojo in the church, and in the back property, they've got a full shop for the men to meet. They've got a a laser printer. They've got a lift to lift cars and work on cars. They've got a full wood shop. Guys, this is a great church. And and their bathroom is 
when you go to the men's bathroom, it's a men, it's decorated for men. The whole wall is car stuff, and you know, like it's like I walked into Ricky Bobby Teledega Nights. You know, I want to go fast, I want to go fast, I want to go fast. And uh, the only bathroom I saw that compares to that would probably be the Family Worship Center in Mattoon, Illinois. These guys in, in, in Mattoon, Illinois. These guys, uh, these guys have a heart for men. So, guys, you're gonna enjoy this message, and I'm gonna tell you something. Right, I'm gonna warn you right now. I rap on this message. So guys, enjoy today's episode. I don't know about you guys, I'm married to a, a gal. Uh, we've been married 30 years this August. My wife surf, suffers from a terminal uh, disease called FOMO, fear of missing out. And I have learned that a lot of men are married to wives like that. And so because I realize there is this thing uh, that our wives have, FOMO, I wanna share briefly about my, me- I wanna share my message. I shared about a buck. I call a broken top buck. I name all of anything I shoot, it dies. It, well, every, well, let me say this, first of all. <laughs> fishing is a slow sport. In fact, they call fly fishing the quiet sport. Race car driving is a fast sport. But that buck there met a bullet chambered in 7-millimeter magnum traveling at 3,100 feet per second. Now that's a fast sport. <laughs> now that's a fast sport. I shot this buck in a 2020. And if you look at this buck, it's a, it's a buck that my taxidermist put together for me. When I shot this buck, I shot him at 140 yards. And when I saw him running out of the canyon, I put the crosshairs on his head to make sure he was big enough. And then I shot. I forgot to put the crosshairs back on the chest. So I hit him in the eyeball. I didn't try to hit him on the eyeball. It was a redneck mistake. We just call that a better story. When I hit him, I, blew, I, cr- I crumbled the horns right here. I shattered the skull, and I blew off that long main beam that kind of comes around on the bottom on this far left side. I blew 10 inches of that off. I had to, it was, a, it was the greatest kill of my life, and it was the most bitter moment as I walked up to this deer and his antlers were touching because they'd just been shattered. (laughs) The subsequent story of how we got him out of the hills is epic, but here's what I want to tell you. I have a friend of mine, David Hakola, Hakola's wildlife taxidermy, and David is an artist, and he put that buck together again. He made that buck new. And what I shared with your husbands on Friday night is that we serve a God who says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Behold, I make everything, or he said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Just as you took the beams out of your last church and you brought them here and made them into crosses in the new church, God is the master of taking old, shattered, broken, damaged people like us and making us new. And he does it every morning. It's what God lives to do. He lives to do that for us. And so for us, You know, I love Assembly of God churches because they're usually called something like New Life, New Hope, New Center, New Something, you know, Maranatha, I love that, the praise God. You know, we are all about as believers, newness, walking in a new life, a new day and a fresh start. And if that's what we really believe, then January for us should be a great month. It is the month where the old has gone and the new has come. You know, my theme this year is all things new in 2022. 
That is my theme. And today I want to talk to you about biblically stewarding your life. Being a man or woman who recognizes that God has given you a pulse and breath in your lungs, and he's done that because he is not done with you. He has a plan for you today. He has a plan for you tomorrow. He has a plan for you this year. Lamentation says, the Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Do you believe that? If we believe that, we must believe they're new every year as well, right? This morning I want to talk to you about building something new in 2022. Doing something new and fresh. Singing a new song with your life in 2022. Will you pray with me? Father, we just come before you. We praise you. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Every day that our lives will live was written in your book before one of them came to pass. God, I have put my heart into this message. I put my soul in this message. I have given it my best effort. But I pray that you would move me out of the way. I pray that you would anoint these words. I pray that when I leave this place uh, today after lunch and fly back home to Oregon, that God, I will be forgotten. And only what you did here will be remembered. So God, move me out of the way. Anoint this message in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning about Psalm 40. So we're going to look at Psalm 40. So if you can turn there, uh, I want to just talk about this. In the Bible, the word new is mentioned 227 times. New life, new creation, new wine, new man, new year, new altar, new covenant, and new song. New song is mentioned nine times in the Psalms. The word the Bible uses for new is the Hebrew word shadash. Can you say shadash? Shadash. It means new. It means fresh. It, the, the best way to describe shadash is like when my wife, I, I cook in the family. I'm the cook. If it wasn't for me cooking, my poor, beautiful wife would starve to death. But my glorious wife, for 30 years, has washed all my dirty laundry. I know, it's, I know him now, and I feel sorry for you. So, so, but what Shanna does is when she gets the clothes out of the washing machine and puts them in the dryer, she has this little napkin thingy, and she throws it in. And all my clothes, except my hunting clothes, that would be a divorce, smell fresh and beautiful and fresh and alive. Woo! That's what we're talking about by this word shadash, to be fresh, to be alive. Albert Barnes writes this, shadash implies there's some fresh occasion for celebrating the praises of God that some event has occurred which could not be expressed in any other song or hymn. So a new song had to be written because something new was happening here. In Psalm 96, we read, sing to the Lord a new, a shadash song. Sing to the Lord, the earth will all sing. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Psalm 144, I will sing a new shadash song. You, O God, upon a harp and ten strings, I will sing praises to you. Okay, I'm going to help you out this morning. There are, in the Bible, 66 books. 27 in the Old Testament, 39 in the New Testament. 66. I'm telling you this because it takes 66 days to form a habit. Did you know that? 
66 days to form a habit. So if you were to start on Tuesday of this week, you get this message, God speaks to you, he gives you a new song, you build some goals around this new song. If you start on Tuesday of this next week, by National Atheist Day, April 1st, right? The fool in his heart says there's no God. National Atheist Day, April 1st. If you can make it 66 days to April 1st, you will have formed a new habit. My goal for you today is that you will hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you. You will decide to do one or two things to change your life, to sing a new song to Jesus in 2022, and you will implement a plan to do that. Does that make sense? I don't care if you listen to the message or hear it. I want you to do something about what I say this morning. I want you to walk away singing a new song to Jesus and say, God, help me for the next 66 books of the Bible, the next 66 days to sing this song. Most people don't make it to Valentine's Day. And 80% of you in this room, 80% of our New Year's resolution people build their New Year's resolutions around weight loss and health issues. Amen? And I'm doing that again this year too. Someday I'm gonna wake up skinny and with hair. Oh, I'll be in heaven that day. Okay, you know, so, so good looking will never happen. Even in heaven, God will go, I just, no, no, okay. <clears throat> 71% of New Year's resolutions revolve around weight loss or improving our health. 29% revolve around learning a new skill or hobby, self-improvement or something along that line. So, hey, hey, uh, little Bodine, your goal this year is to learn how to blow that duck call. None of this. Remember? Okay, okay, that's your goal. That's your goal. Okay. Sorry, a little side note with a little uh, fellow duck hunter. So, Revelation 21.5, Jesus said, I am making all things new. I am making all things new. The question, when I have believers go, I don't set new goals. I just don't believe in that. I just kind of scratch my head. The Bible is filled with newness, fresh starts forgiveness, new creation. When I find out, when I discover that God is not giving me a new song, I ask myself these questions. Ready? And I want you to ask this now. If God somehow has gone silent in your life, is God taking me through the desert of obscurity? Am I in the middle of a, a place where God has purposely, and I believe we have seasons where God just goes, I need to get silent and I just need you to to know that I am God and trust that I am God, even though you may be going through a valley or a desert and there's a season where I go, I, I just, I'm not speaking to you the way I want, you want me to speak to you. Am I in that place? Number two, am I in a season of pruning, sorrow, or grief? Is there something happening to me where God is saying, hey, this is gonna hurt, but I'm gonna take you through it. When that happens, what we tend to do as humans, we focus on getting through it, right? The grieving process or the pruning process. Number three, am I living in unrepentant sin? Just call it what it is, right? Some of us are here today and God is not speaking because we're in blatant, open sin. And God wants us to turn to him and repent of that sin. Number four, is there pain and brokenness in my life that's hindering me from hearing God's voice? Again, pain, right? Hurting people hurt people turns us inwards. Number five, is, is my faith in a rut, has that become boring? Been a Christian 30 years, oh, it's you know, boring. If your faith, you know, pastor and I share the same life verse, John 10, 10. 
So whether, you know, it's mock, mock two with your hair on fire or shooting a bullet or gutting an elk or whatever it is. I mean, I want to live my life. I want to enjoy my life. I'm afraid of this rut. I want newness and freshness. I want a new word and a fresh word from God every day. Number six is something distracting me or robbing my focus. Number seven, am I harboring unforgiveness, bitterness, or resentment? Number eight, do I have a physical sickness or infirmity, uh, infirmity that I'm that's dominating my attention right now. I mean, I just, three weeks ago, I just got over COVID. I mean, it's like, okay, I'm down. <laughs> you know, I'm down uh, just for a couple days here. At, uh, are my eyes on Jesus or are they fixed on lesser things? Where are your, where's your focus right now? Number 10 is, at one point in my life, did God give me a great song to sing that I've overplayed it? You know, even the best songs get boring. How many of you guys, how many of you grew up in the, you were a teenager in the 90s, raise your hands. I am so hor- I'm so sorry. There's no way you were a teenager in the 90s. There is no way you were a teenager. Are you a teenager in the 90s? I am so sorry if you grew up in the 90s. What a horrible decade of music. I mean, the Counting Crows, Smashing Pumpkins. How did you start? All you had to go on was Garth Brooks, and he was, was he country? What was that guy? How many of you grew up in the 70s? Classic rock? All right. Hey, but, but listen, I've got to tell you something. Everybody in this room is jealous of one generation. You are all jealous of those of us who grew up in the 80s. <laughs> Greatest mu- music of all time, still playing it. We're at the Wild Game Dinner. I'm like, 80s, 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 80s. We are the greatest music generation in the history of the world. Plus, we had, you know, Cindy Crawford. We had Van Halen. I mean, come on, come on. But even in the 80s, those top 40 songs, they would beat those things to death to where you wanted to shoot yourself if you heard another song. I mean, if I hear that song again, the pop, pop, Music just overplayed. A lot of times our faith is like that. It gets boring. You know, David, in 2 Samuel chapter 11, here's the, one of the greatest warriors in the history of the world, bored and on the rooftop. And the Bible says, when all the kings went to war, David stayed back and spied on naked Bathsheba. You know, Bathsheba was, he had 30 mighty men and Uriah was one of them. And the 30 mighty men lived on this little 10-acre area of Jerusalem and they lived in the, they surrounded the palace. That's why he was able to stare down and look at Uriah's wife Bathsheba, because the house was there to protect the king. And the king in his boredom, overplaying his song of his life, fell into sin. When we get bored and when our life gets overplayed, when our song is overplayed, we count the days till retirement. Maybe this is you today. We count the days till retirement. We waste time online instead of working at our job. We build large time gaps in our calendars. We live for the weekends. We live a life of quiet desperation. We are bored out of our mind. We have no hill to die on. We are depressed and lack lack purpose, and we burn out. And Psalm 40, verses 1 through 3, gives us four very simple ways that we can have a new and fresh start for this new and fresh year. So I'm going to walk you through this, and I want you to look at Psalm 40, verse 1 right now. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined and heard my cry. First thing we do, we want a new song, a Shadash song is this. Wait for God. Find the time to cry out to God. Shut up and listen. Wait for him to speak. I typically do this from December, between Christmas and New Year's, December to January 1st. 
I wait for God to speak, and then I take the whole month of January. Most people are setting all their goals. I, set, I take the month of January to refine what I've heard. So I'm in this refining mode for the next couple weeks. God has called us human beings, not human doings. We've been designed by God to sleep a third of our life and to wait for God to speak. That's how God made us. It's how God made us. Isaiah 42.10, sing to the Lord a Shadash song. Sing his praise from the end of the earth. Psalm 27.14, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Psalm 46.10 is one of my greatest prayers for this. I want to, I want to put it on the screen here for you. And I want to break this down so you see the kind of the progression I go through and I'm trying to wait on God, all right? So Psalm 46.10 says, be, okay, so this is a, okay, this is a, wow, this is not what I'm used to here. So cease striving, so look, I'm gonna, okay, I'm, I think I went with an NIV on this. I think I told you the wrong thing. So it says, be still and know that I am God, okay? Everybody say that, be still and know that I am God. So be still and know that I am God. That phrase is a call to focus. Prayer is not talking to God. Prayer starts with a focus to God. So be still and know that I am God. Focus on God. Now, if we break that verse down one more step, we read this. Be still and know that I am. It's a call to praise God. I praise him for who he is, right? I focus on the character and nature of God, and I just praise him for who he is. We are doing in the music today, in the worship time. We are praising God, not for what he does, simply for who he is, because he is the great I am. If you break that verse one more, it says, be still and know. It's a call to reflect. Just reflecting on the presence of God in our life. If you break it down more, we hear this, be still. This is my favorite part. I'm an extrovert, and this is a call to silence. My prayer time is like 80% listening and 20% talking. I'm a complete opposite as I am around humans because I am in the presence of the God of the universe. And if you break this down one step further, we see the word be. It's a call to wait. Just wait. Wait for him. Listen to his voice. Wait until he speaks. I always pray with a yellow notepad. I just bring it with me everywhere I pray. And I fill that paper up every time I pray of things that God is whispering. But we've got to be quiet to hear the whisper. First step in singing a new song in 2022 is to wait for God. Verse 2 gives us another step. Ready? Are you ready for this? Verse 2, look at it. He brought me up. Now think about this. He brought me out. It's a picture of me holding my hand. He brought me out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon the rock, making my footsteps firm. It's a picture of me reaching out to God. Reaching. So as I'm waiting on God, step two, I'm reaching for God. What I mean by reaching for God is I'm partnering with God. I'm saying, God, take my hand. I need you to lead me. What, is, what does Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 say? 
Trust the Lord with all your heart and lead on on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. I reach out to God. Here's what I want to tell you. God wants to partner with you. But we live in America. We're like, God, let me just sing a song for you. Let me sing the new song for you. And God says, I don't want you to sing it for me. I want you to sing it with me. I don't want you to work for me. I want you to work with me. Think about the beauty in that. God wrote the song. God gave you the song. And then God says, listen, dude, dudette, I'm from California. Let me sing the song with you. Think about this for a second. I can't think of one good song that is sung alone. Even on stage, we had a beautiful set of worship. We had musicians. We had backup singers. We had the people in the booth. We had the sound people. Do you realize no good song is sung alone? Have you thought about this? Can you think of the last time that you heard a song that was sung without any help? Even, you may be, I know, I know Pastor, you're going, well, that Taylor Swift song, my favorite Taylor Swift song. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Even Taylor Swift has somebody who wrote the songs, right? I mean, mostly. But think about this for a second. They're never sung alone. Good songs need somebody to write the lyrics, somebody to play the sound, somebody to do backup singing, somebody to play the instruments. Because God isn't interested in you singing for him. He wants you to sing with him. So I was in Mexico the first week in December. Keep this off. And my wife and I, I've never done this in 30 years of marriage, but as we get older, I'm trying to find new and fresh ways to like be a better husband. So my wife, we're sitting, I'm sitting outside this karaoke place and my wife is inside and she's going, she can't sing, but she knows I got a pretty good voice. And I'm like, but I'm like, I'll get up in front of you guys, but forget this whole singing thing. Come on, come on, come on. And I'm thinking to myself, you you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking to myself, and my wife says this all the time, what's your life first? John 10, 10. Is this living out your life first, sitting in the back of karaoke, not singing? I'm like, listen, woman, if you want to make it a 31, you better shut your mouth. Yeah, I didn't say that at all. So... So I said, listen, I am not singing a song. She goes, okay, okay. She gets a smile on her face. I'm like, that sucker's up to something. <laughs> Pretty soon I hear the, the DJ in, in Spanish, in Spanglish going, Mr. Jean, come up here. I look at my wife. She goes, it's not a song. Oh, no, it's a rap. <laughs> in 1979, Sugar Hill Gang came out with the first rap 15 minutes long. It's the first rap to ever break the top 40. It got to 36. And I, have, I know the 15-minute version, and I know the five-minute version. And that five-minute version, here I am up on stage, completely sober, by the way, just in case you're wondering you know, what happens. Just totally, not, just totally sober. Just my wife is messing with me. I'm like, all right, give me the mic. And if you're going to do a rap, you've got to hold the mic right. And Rapper's Delight just starts out like this. 
Hip, hop, a hippie, a hippie to the hip, hip, hop, and you don't stop the rocket to the bang, bang, boogie, self, jump the boogie to the rhythm of the boogie to be. What you hear is not a test, I'm rapping to the beat. And me, the groove, and my friends are going to try and move your feet. You see, I am Wonder Mike, and I'd like to say hello to the black, to the brown, the white, and the red, the purple, and yellow. But first, I got to bang, bang, the boogie to the boogie, say up, jump the boogie to the bang, bang, boogie, see the rock. You don't stop, rock the rhythm that'll make your body rock. So far, you've heard my voice, but I brought two friends along. Next on the mic is my man, Hank. Come on, sing that song. Check it out. Okay, that's it. So the problem, here's the problem. So I've got five, you know, there's, there's Hank, and then there's Master G, a M-A-S, a T-E-R, a, a G with a double E. Then there's, there, you know, then there's, a, then there's a Hank, there's Big Hank. There's three guys rapping this five-minute song, and the reason they're rapping this five-minute song is because you run out of breath. So I'm in this rap, and I'm throwing down the rap, you know, because you got to throw it down. And I'm like, oh, hold on. Oh, oh. You know, the lyrics are still going on the screen. I'm like, oh, I, hold on, I need a breath. Oh, you, uh, you know, then you got the, if it went over to a friend's house to eat, and the food just ain't no good, the macaroni sock and the peas almost, and the chicken tastes like wood, and I can't speak it. I can't do the rhyme because I can't breathe, like now. Because the song is not meant to sing alone. It's meant to sing with Wonder Mike, Big Hank, and Master G. They're the team throwing down, baby. Your song is not meant to be sung alone. You can't do it. God has designed his song for you to sing with him. So we wait for God. And we reach out to him. And we wait for him to grab a hold of our hand and to lead us into our new song. Does that make sense? Don't tell anybody you heard that just now. Gosh, I'm sweating now. So God gives a Shadash song for us to sing, to sing with him and not for him. The challenge for us is to keep the song Shadash with fresh wind, fresh fire, fresh partnership with the Holy Spirit. And this year can be the greatest year of your life if you commit to a new song to sing with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Once we've waited on God, once we've reached out to God, then we can implement verse 3 of Psalm chapter 40. He put a new Sadash song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Wait for God, reach for God, and then ultimately, ultimately, you have to select a song, right? You can't sing a song if you don't have a song to choose from. So you choose a song and you sing it. Sing the song. What rhythm will you establish in your life? What lyric will you sing? We have to move beyond thinking and act. I think sometimes we think too much in the church and act too little. And we need God to give us a song and we need to choose the song. Choose the song. Our new song is an act of worship. It's an act of worship to God. We have to select a song, Revelation 5, 9. And they sang a new song to the Lord. 
You know, the process of every sermon crafted, every song sang, every poem penned, every drawing sketched, every book typed, every statue sculpted, every life well lived starts with swift and decisive action. I just broke my watch. It starts with swift and decisive action. At some point, the hammer has to come down. At some point, the, the, you have to start strumming. You have to start pounding. You have to start basing. At some point, you have to act. Michelangelo's statue of David, also known as Il Gigante, stands 13 feet tall. The marble was awkwardly cut tall and thin, and, and uh, sculptors did not want to work with it. In fact, in 1464, 11 years before Michelangelo was born, Agostino de Duccio uh, took the commission to turn this piece of marble into a statue. And after looking at this piece of marble for a period of time, he, he gave the commission up and said, I cannot see what's inside this marble. He never touched the marble. Twelve years later in 1476, when Michelangelo was now one year old, Antonio Russolino took on the commission to turn this big slab of marble, this awkward slab, into a statue. After working and staring at this marble, he too rejected it and said, I cannot see what anybody can do with this piece of marble. Even the greatest, one of the greatest artists of the world, Leonardo da Vinci, was asked to sculpt from this piece of marble, and da Vinci rejected it. It wasn't until decades later that Michelangelo came along after three of the most prominent artists of the time rejected the marble that he came along and began work. And one day when he was chiseling away and pounded at this thing, a little boy came up to him and said, what are you doing hammering at this piece of marble? And Michelangelo famously said, this, this rock has an angel inside of it and it's my job to get it out. There is a song that God wants you to sing and you need to bring it out. There is a rhythm he wants you to strum. There is a rap he wants you to throw down. There is a drum beat he wants you to find the rhythm. You have to start with decisive action. How many great songs were never sang? How many great ministries at Maranatha were never started? Guys, you have a great pastor. You have a great pastoral team. To have a pastor who's been here 40 years, are you kidding me? That doesn't happen in America. A church 40 years old is gonna have 10 pastors at least. Who's gonna partner and sing a new song with this church and staff? I mean, I, I've heard like little whispers. There's been, this has been a hard year for the church, last two years. There's been some things happen that have been hard. Who's going to step up and say, I will sing a new song? I will do it. The Holy Spirit has spoken to me, Pastor, and said, hey, I've got a new song for you in 2022. It all started, the famous Michelangelo statue of David, all started with one swift action, and that's what God wants to start in your life. Wait for God. Reach out for God. Select your song. And the last point, which is my favorite, this is the crescendo of the sermon. 
Verse 3 says, And many will see and fear and trust in the Lord. We've waited, we've reached, we've selected, and now it's time to sing your song, to sing it loud, to sing it proud, to throw it down. It's your time. It's your time. This is your year. This is your time to sing your song loud and proud. And here's what I want to tell you. And this is so cool. This is my favorite part. God never gives you a bad song. He does not give you a crappy song. He does not give you a song with no rhythm. He does not give you a rhyme that doesn't rhyme. God does not give you a bad song. Now, God may give you a hard song. We live in a broken world. People get sick, people die. This is a hard life. It is a hard life. But Romans 8, 28 says, God works all things to the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Do you know that God, do you know that God loves to turn your mess into your message? Do you know that? He turns your mess into your message. He takes your crappy, broken, shattered song and he gives it, he makes it new. He says, take, I had a kid live at my house for the last year. Black, black kid. I say that because he was so black. He's from Liberia. He'd sit in the, he'd sit in the kitchen and I, he'd scare me because I couldn't see him. He was so dark. His dad was in jail. His dad adopted him from Liberia, brought him over. Dad is in jail for 20 years, making that kid a sex slave when he's 10 years old. And that kid said, a 23-year-old young man, entrepreneur major, he said, Jim, I don't see God in my life. I go, well, bro, listen, you're living in a Christian home for free. Every weekend you go to another Christian home for free. I hired you to work for me, and I'm a Christian organization, and you also work as a janitor for church. Tell me where God is in that. The next weekend he came in and he goes, I gave my life to Jesus. <laughs> because, here's why. Because he realized that God loves to turn your shattered antlers into something beautiful. He loves to turn your mess into your message. He loves to do that. No matter how bad your songs may sound, I beg you and promise you, it is never a bad song. The only time it is a bad song is if you choose a song that God didn't give you. I've done that before. When I was 25 years old, I was a brand new young man, fresh in ministry, single. I bought a guitar because every youth pastor should play guitar. <laughs> bought a Fender, black Fender, beautiful guitar. Man, I practiced for a year and I could not get it. I couldn't do it. I'm like, you know what? This must not be my time. Something's wrong here because I'm usually good at most things. I'm done. Ten years later, so now this is the year 2000, I'm like, you know what, I just didn't put enough energy into this. I'm gonna go all in, I'm gonna hire a guitar teacher, I'm gonna buy a guitar, I bought an $800 acoustic electric cutaway Takamini, it was a beautiful guitar. I started strumming, you know, D, C, G, E minor, A, all the ones that were easy, the easy chords. And I thought, okay, man, I'm not picking this up very well, but I'm just trusting you, God, I'm trusting you, I'm trusting you, and I realized God had, didn't ask me to trust him with a guitar. I just decided I should play the guitar, I was a youth pastor. One night, our church, about this big of a church, said, hey, we're gonna have a volunteer appreciation night and all the pastoral staff is gonna, we're gonna do a talent show. And we're all gonna do a talent in front of the volunteer appreciation. We had about 150 volunteers at tables serving dinner, very similar to our wild game dinner. 
And now realize, I don't fit well with a church. I can break things well. You just saw that happen with the watch. My wife's gonna be so mad. I break things well. I hit things hard. I can lift heavy things. And I'm good at killing things. All these things are frowned upon in the church. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe not this church, but in my church. And I decided I'm going to play, I'm going to play a solo on the guitar. Our pastor was an illusionist. He was a master illusionist. Everybody else was beautiful in music, musically. So I decided I'm going to take a song one of my youth group kids wrote that we sing at baptisms. I'm going to play it in front of the church. So we're having dinner before the, before the, the talent show. And I don't know, I don't know if it was nerves. I'm not a singer. I started losing my voice. I wasn't sick. I just, the more I talked about and thought about singing, the more my voice was going away. By that, and I have a decent voice. I thought, if I can't play the guitar, my voice will carry me. I sing, like a, I sing like a metal lark. So I got up on stage and I've got no voice. I can't strum. I played the most horrific rendition of the song you've ever heard in your life. And the whole time I'm looking up, my wife, who does not have the gift of mercy, is looking at me like this. Little did she know 30 years later she'd have me rapping to her. I get done. I kid you not. It, I'm sweating. I'm dripping. I'm just dripping. I'm nervous. I can't sing. I get done and there's, it's silent. Nobody knows what to do because they're not sure if it was a joke or if I really meant to do something good. It was, it was, no, really, it was the most awkward moment of my life. And then finally the pastor, you know, did the courtesy clap, you know. It's a holiness church. They have to clap, right? So, so he does, and they clap, and I get off the stage, and afterwards, the keynote speaker came over and said, brother, God is going to do great things through you. I've never seen anybody humiliate themselves like that on purpose. God's, gonna, God's got you. And I learned that night, God spoke to me through his Holy Spirit, and you'll appreciate this, through the Holy Spirit, God spoke to me and said, stay in your lane, bro. <laughs> because... Sometimes we try to sing songs that God didn't ask us to sing. And so, sometimes God gives us songs to sing that are very, very hard and painful songs to sing. But if we choose the song that God gives us, he loves to turn our mess into our message. God has a good song for you in 2022. We just need to focus and listen. Wait on God, reach for God, select the song and sing it to the world. I'm gonna give you five really simple things to do in closing, because I'm gonna ask you, I want you to find one or two things that you're gonna do this year for Jesus. And don't say stuff like, I wanna be healthy, I wanna be a better Christian, I wanna be more involved. That is so lame and weak sauce. That's how people don't accomplish goals. So here's a stupid goal I have. Pastor, you'll appreciate this. I have rallied 380 guys from around the world to do 65,000 push-ups with me this year. Just some stupid man thing. I get it. So I'm, my goal is 65,000 push-ups this year. So let me walk you through this. The first thing I did is this. A goal must be, they, these need to be smart goals, S-M-A-R-T. A goal must be specific. I am going to do 65,000 push-ups in 2022. Specific. The next letter is the letter M. The goal must be measurable. I am gonna do 65,000 push-ups, but to do that, I have to do 250 a day, five days a week, or 1,250 push-ups a week. It must be measurable. A, it must be attainable, and R, realistic. I have two friends 
that are in their mid-60s that one of them did 90,000 push-ups last year. He is a stage four cancer survivor. And, and when he first did his first push-up, he could not do a push-up without doing it on his knees. Three years later, last year, he did 90,000 push-ups. So is it reachable? Yes. Specific, measurable, attainable, and reachable. And the last one is this. Is it time-sensitive? By December 31st, I will do 65,000 push-ups. By December 31st, I will read the entire Bible, all 66 books. By December 31st, I will be one of the singers in the worship band. By December 31st, I will be doing the laser printer in the wood shop. By December 31st, I will be making coffees at the coffee shop. Why aren't there any men back there? Come on, okay. One, okay, good, thank you, Jesus. Specific, measurable, attainable, reachable, time-sensitive. When God gives you a song, put it on paper, build a plan, find your strum, find your rhythm, find your throw-down beat so that you can have a mic drop moment in 2022 on December 31st. And you can celebrate what God did through your life, through your messy, sloppy life, that God turned into your beautiful message and his beautiful song that you sang to him as an act of worship. Father, thank you for this time. And God, we just want to take, as the band comes, we want to take a minute of silence. And God, we want to ask you this question. In 2022, for the next almost 11 months, God, what song do you want me to sing with you. And God, as we reflect on that question, in the stillness of our hearts, in the quiet of this room, Holy Spirit, will you speak? God bless you, and until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor, hear the deafening roar of the crowd, taste the sweetness of victory, smell the stench of battle, get in the game, get dirty, grind it out, and be a man.